0: Happy phone-it-in Friday, Reds fans. Thanks for downloading and listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, your cheap-seat crony, Jeff Carr. Today we've got an awesome interview coming at you. I can't wait to get to it, so you know what? Let's just start right now. But before we get in there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. And check us out at lockdownreds.com. So, without further ado, here's the interview. So today, for our Phone It In Friday, I have the indomitable Doug Gray, the man who leads Red Leg Nation now, which congrats on that, by the way, and is also the proprietor of RedsMinorLeagues.com. He is the expert on all things Reds Prospects. Really excited to have you on today, man.
1: I'm glad to be here. Um, hopefully, I can answer some some questions. And uh, yeah, let's let's jump right on in.
0: Heck yeah, man! This Saturday, big fight. Who you got? Dillashaw or Cejudo? I'll, I'll take
1: I'll take I'll take Dillashaw. He's just he's naturally the bigger guy. I, th- I think he's a more well-rounded fighter, and that's not that's nothing against Cejudo. But sure. I, I I'll just take the bigger guy, who's a little bit more well-rounded. Um, but we'll see. I'm excited to watch it. I do know that.
0: I mean, seeing, you know, a good handful of Dillashaw fights, I'm just like, man, this dude is a tornado.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he, he's so good at everything. I mean, obviously, Suhudo has got the advantage in the wrestling, but I, I just, with the rest of the, the, rest of the talents that, that Dillashaw's got the advantage in, uh, I, I just, I have a hard time seeing Suhudo coming, coming out with, the, with both belts on that one.
0: Good deal. All right. So we will lead in. This is a Reds podcast after all. (laughs) Um, so, um, kind of talking, like I mentioned that you've got a lot of experience covering the Reds minor leagues. Um, and you've got the awesome rankings, the, the organizational rankings on your website. When you put that together, just about how much time did you spend putting together, uh, those rankings as a whole?
1: It's probably a two week process. Um, I, I kind of keep notes on guys throughout the throughout the season, um, you know things that I see, things that I pick up from scouts that I talk to, um, and I, I just try and have a, a general file for each guy with you know things that I like, don't like, things that I'm hearing that you know scouts like and don't like about each guy. And so what I do is actually open up an Excel spreadsheet, which unfortunately for all of us, I'm sure we're all vaguely familiar with how that works. And I just start ranking the guys by, by position you know, just best to worst at each position. And then, you know, that just makes it easier. So I'm like, look at, you know, seven or eight guys for each spot. And so I'm not trying to go through, you know, 75, 85 guys to get it down to, you know, 25. Um, and then, you know, I get I get my rough draft. I kind of send it out to a few people that I trust um, and, and just kind of get opinions like, hey, am I am I missing somebody? Did I forget something? Um, you know, just, just kind of sending out some feelers. And then I, I go back, I look over the list. And then what I really try and do is write up at least just a little bit of a strength and a weakness that each guy has. And that kind of helps me balance out, you know, guys that are close, that are kind of in that same tier. Uh, You know, when I write it out, sometimes it it really does make me think, hmm, you know, this guy's weaknesses are a little bit more than this guy's weaknesses. Maybe I should flip-flop these guys. Um, And so it's about a a one-and-a-half, two-week process, but it's something that I'm kind of doing throughout the year. you know, I just have a general idea of where someone should be ranked based on you know where they would have ranked versus past lists, and it just kind of helps me set up those kind of tiers. Um,
0: and when we're when we're talking about prospects, I know that most fans are acquainted with Nixon Zell and Taylor Trammell and Hunter Green, the you know really the big three, and some of them may even get down to Tony Santillan. But when we're looking at this spring training, who are some guys to watch that maybe? people don't know that they need to watch.
1: I th- I think that there's probably three guys. Now, you mentioned Tony Santheon, and you know, I, I think that a lot of people probably aren't aware of him, and those that are, I, I'd honestly say they're probably underrating him. I think that he's one of the more underrated prospects in all of minor league baseball. Uh, I'm having problems wrapping my head around how he's ranked, you know, near the back end of top one hundred list when his stuff and numbers match up as well or better than guys that are ranked in the top fifty. Right. So uh, I, I don't think he's gonna break the rotation with the Reds just because they've got so many other options, even if they don't go out and get another starter to add to the rotation. Sure. Um, but I mean he, he's got some of the best stuff in the entire organization, big leagues, minor leagues, whatever. Um, and you know, he performed well in double A last year. I think there's a chance he could return to double A. Maybe they'll send him to triple A, but I think he's a guy who could really turn heads this spring. And then you gotta look at center field. I mean, That's really the only only position that's open right now. Obviously, injuries can happen and can open up other things. But sure. right now, center field, the Reds aren't really sure what they're what they're going to do there. You know, they seem to have all of these options that they don't really feel comfortable with. Um, you know, they've mentioned Yasiel Puig, Scott Schebler, uh, you know, Philip Irvin, um, Nick Senzel's getting time out there right now in Goodyear. It's kind of one of the things he's working on. And um, but you have to look at Jose Siri, who clearly is the best defender of anybody they've got at the position. Um, And, you know, the question is, is is he going to be able to hit enough right now? I'm not sure he will. Um, But if none of these other options show up and look like they can actually handle center field defensively, he's on the 40-man roster. He's going to be able to steal you some bases. He's going to have some pop in his bat. You might just have to, you know, bring him up and bat him eighth and just call it a day. Uh, But the other guy I really think that people should look for is TJ Friedel. Maybe you've heard of him. Because a, a couple years ago, he was this guy, he went undrafted and then the Reds gave him, it was just over $700,000. It's the largest signing bonus that has ever been given out to an undrafted free agent who's from the United States. Now, that kind of is deceiving in the sense that, you know, it seems that some teams did not realize that he was draft eligible. Um, he was a red-shirted sophomore, but he wasn't listed that way in the Nevada program. So when scouts were kind of going over the roster, they didn't realize that he was actually a third-year college player, which would make him draft eligible. Right. Uh, now, some teams did realize he was eligible, and they still didn't draft him. Um, and, th- you know, that's not, that's not to say that TJ Friedel isn't a quality prospect. I've got him ranked 15th right now. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good prospect. Um, but when you look at the Reds' outfield depth, he's like fourth or fifth on their outfield depth chart as far as guys that are in the minor leagues right now. And that's if you don't really count Nick Sinzel as an outfielder. But... He's a true center fielder, he makes contact, he can run and steal you bases, he's performed at double A. If they don't really feel comfortable with Jose Siri or any of the corner outfield guys that they're going to try and squeeze into center, I think that he might be the guy that could really, you know, kind of jump in there and be the big surprise that could make the roster.
0: He is a name that I had heard of, and kind of thinking of those names, a name that you have heard on broadcasts a lot, where in his development is Tyler Stevenson?
1: You know, I I think that Tyler's still got some work to do defensively. Um, Obviously, as a catcher, that's generally going to be what guys are needing to work on more just because it's so difficult to be a quality big league catcher. There's so many things that you need to be able to do and learn over the years. And, you know, unfortunately for Tyler, he's missed the better part of two seasons. Um, Now, last year he was healthy the entire way through the year, and that was very good for his development. You could see, you know, just the big strides that he made. But it does – it takes so much time to develop all of the skills required. And I, I think that he's probably still a year and a half, two years away from being ready for the major leagues. Um, you, you never really know, but he's got all of the tools that you want to see. He's very athletic back there. He's got soft hands. Um, but you know, he's got a really strong arm. But he doesn't always show the strong arm because sometimes you know, between receiving the ball and releasing the ball, he's a little bit slow with his actions. And so while the ball does carry and travel well, getting from point A to point B on the release, it takes a little bit longer. So that pop time, that time you know that the runners are going to have, it's a little bit more than you would expect, just because you know he's still trying to figure everything out.
0: And the the Reds made a couple of. Um non-roster invitee sort of signings today i think there are waiver claims or something um but i know uh buddy Boschers and felix felix jorge man really butchered that one (laughs) um but uh obviously those guys um being non-roster invitees they're probably a long shot anyway but of those two who do you see sticking
1: well, both of those guys are minor league signings. Um, they just—they're minor league pickups, and they've got a, an, in, an invite to spring training. Uh, I think it's a long shot for both of them, but if I had to pick one, I would take Buddy Boshers. Uh, he's a left-handed reliever who—he's got big league success against left-handers. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm looking at his numbers right now. Um, it's let's see—they've hit 2.45 against him in his major league career. I, I just. If, if the Reds really want to go with a true loogie and not really rely on, say, Amir Garrett in that role, who I think is too good to be that kind of, you know, relief pitcher, or sure. a Wandy Peralta, who at least when Wandy Peralta's right, he's too good to be that kind of pitcher. Right. Uh, that, 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 that a guy like Buddy Bochers could be that guy. Um, you know, Felix Jorge, I, I love the pickup. I, I think it was a very shrewd move by the Reds. He was injured most of last year, didn't pitch much, became a minor league free agent. He's, you know, he's a former you know, quality prospect uh, in in the Twins organization. So I I really do like that pickup, but I just, (laughs) it's tough to see where he would fit in this year, especially out of spring training uh, with with the Reds.
0: We're going to take a quick ad break here, but don't nobody go nowhere. This is the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks again for listening to this Phone It In Friday. Now back to the interview with Doug Gray. Nice. And I know there were some Reds that were minor league free agents at the beginning of the offseason. Do you think that there's anyone that got away or do you think that uh, the Reds pretty much knew who they needed and aren't going to miss pretty much you know, any of those guys that went through free agency?
1: Not really. I think that generally speaking, uh, when a guy reaches minor league free agency, the odds of that guy eventually becoming a guy that you regret letting go, they're not very high. I mean, most of these guys are 25, 26 when they reach minor league free agency. And if they're not a guy that a team feels is one of the 40 best players in the organization who also has to be on the 40-man roster, I, I mean, that really usually tells you about a player. They're generally going to be a fringe major leaguer who's a guy who, you know, maybe they're you know, that fifth outfielder who comes up to replace your backup fifth outfielder. The guy who's going to come up and pitch the sixth inning and in blowouts in the middle of August because, you know, you've got three guys on the disabled list. Sure. I mean, every so often those guys will come through and, you know, I mean, Justin Turner, for example, former red, you know, broke out in his late 20s. You know, several teams let him become a minor league free agent, but that's a rare, rare story that doesn't happen very often.
0: And expanding from the idea of prospects is something that um, especially with the rumors of the three team trade for Corey Kluber or what the Indians themselves are asking for Corey Kluber. Where do you see the Reds uh, at the end of this season so far as performance-wise, and do you think it makes sense to give up Nick Senzel for Corey Kluber this year?
1: Yeah, I can really see both sides of the argument. Um, I would probably need to know more about the Reds' long-term plans and payroll in order to trade Nick Senzel for Corey Kluber, but I also believe that if you trade Nick Senzel for Corey Kluber today— that the Reds are, I mean, they're a legitimate wild card contender. If everything, and and, and they wouldn't even need everything to go right, but if they just get one little thing to go right, they could legitimately compete for the division, assuming that, you know, you get a a normal amount of health out of your team. Obviously, you know, guys are going to get hurt. But if you, say, don't lose Eugenio Suarez for four months out of the season, um, things like that, then Corey Kluber's the guy that I, I really do think that, He's a difference maker. He's legitimately one of the best three or four pitchers in the world right now. And, I mean, even if you take Nick Senzel out of the projected Reds lineup, that's still a really strong offensive lineup. And when you look at the pitching, if you had Corey Kluber, there's not really a weakness in the rotation. The bullpen's pretty strong. and It'll probably be stronger than last year because you've also got to think, you know, between Sal Michael Lorenzen, Robert Stevenson, Tyler Malley, some of these guys that were starters – some of them are going to get put in the bullpen, and that's probably going to be a way to strengthen the bullpen too. Uh, I just think that that's, that's a move that you really could sit back and say, yeah, this makes a ton of sense if the Reds are truly going to be competitive. At the same time, when I see Nick Senzel, I think that he's I – mean, I I really do think he could be David Wright. And nice. that, that's that's a really, really, really good baseball player. Absolutely. So, so you also want to hesitate to trade a guy like that. Huh. Um, I, I'll say this much. I'd be very surprised if the Reds traded Nick Sinzel. Uh That doesn't mean that they couldn't wind up landing a Corey Kluber, but I, I do think that it probably takes them out of the running. It seems that for whatever reason, the Reds and Indians don't match up, whether that's because they don't want to give up Nick Sinzel, um or you know, Taylor Turmel Plus isn't enough for them or it doesn't really fit what they need. And that's kind of why we're seeing the Padres kind of jump in here because they do need a third baseman. Uh, and you know they've got one of the deepest farm systems and the best farm systems in baseball. And so you know it would kind of make sense to bring them into the trade if you wanted to make that happen. But I, I I'm just I, I don't think it's going to happen. It it just doesn't really make sense to me that we're this far along. I mean the Reds have been linked to Corey Kluber for what two months now. Right. He he's still an Indian. Nick Senzel's still red, still a red. So I I'd be surprised if it happened.
0: No, and, and I agree with you. The more that I see these rumors, the more that it's like, man, it's nice to think about. But like you said, and, and there's even been reports of his agent coming out and saying like every day he's not traded, the likelihood of him being traded just exponentially decreases. And and really, I, really, I saw the Indians um, rumored to trade him as a payroll sort of thing, and they've already cut their payroll with – Edwin Encarnacion and Yonder Alonso getting traded. So they don't have to trade Corey Kluber. They're in a position where they can say, give us the farm or we're walking. And I don't see the Reds giving them the farm. If they don't get Corey Kluber, like we're thinking, do they go after Sonny Gray or do they stand Pat?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, they – There was an article the other day that basically—I actually got it from—I saw it from you, and you kind of pointed me in this direction, about how they're kind of having to wait around on uh, Dallas Keuchel. And, you know, because Philadelphia is very interested in him, but Philadelphia doesn't want to make a solid offer until they know where they stand with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. Um, And so, you know, at some point, if—let's say the Reds are waiting on Dallas Keuchel, at some point you can no longer wait on Dallas Keuchel because if you do and nobody else is left and he doesn't sign with you, well, then you don't have any other options. And so, you know, we've seen that the Reds are still, at least rumors are out there, that the Reds are still interested in Sonny Gray. Uh, They probably are still interested in quite a few guys that we just haven't heard about. Um, If it's up to me, I, I really think that I would avoid a guy like Sonny Gray. And that's not to say that I wouldn't go get a Dallas Keuchel. Uh, I think that that just all depends on, one, what it will take to sign him, and two, kind of what the plan is moving forward. But if the Reds aren't going to get somebody who is at least a, a quality pitcher that they can throw up there with, say, a Luis Castillo and an Alex Wood, which I don't think Sonny Gray should be expected to be in that same caliber of pitcher right now, Right. Uh, but a Dallas Keuchel would be. If But if they're not going to get someone like that, I really do think that they should just stick with what they've got. You know, they've got, I think it's seven former top 100 prospect pitchers that they could choose to be that number five starter. And, I mean, isn't that why we brought in Derek Johnson and Caleb Gotham? Exactly. Like is, that that That's kind of what you brought those guys in for. I mean, it, it was one of the bigger moves of the offseason so far that the Reds somehow got that guy. I mean, he was the hottest pitching coach out there, and he came to Cincinnati of all places.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, what's the challenge?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what it is, and that's fine. Uh, But I mean, he's a pitching guru who, at least what we're told, is he's a guy that can get more out of lesser pitchers. Well, these guys aren't lesser. I mean, they've all got good arms. They've just had problems executing with those arms. Right. And I mean, this this is what you brought him in for. So if you're not going to get a real difference maker, I'm not going to give up assets to get a guy like a Sonny Gray who I'm hoping can rebound.
0: Exactly. And and that was something that when I was looking at Sonny Gray. Like at first I was just straight like, ah, no, I don't want him. He's, he's another dude that he matches up right with Tanner Rourke and all that stuff. So he's not an improvement. He's not going to be the, your guy that you're slotting in at opening day. So I don't know why they would give up too many assets for him. Um I know there was like a reported thing of like scooter Jeanette form or something, but I agree with you that when it comes to what the Reds have done, it's it's already pretty nice. Like I got into a discussion the other day with a fellow on Twitter who he was just like they haven't done enough, the off season's been a waste if they stop here now, and I'm like, he's discounting Derek Johnson just like what you were saying, and I, I really think that he's going to you know kind of jumpstart a lot of these younger guys careers i think of cody reed and sal romano and guys like that who can really benefit from him being on staff and um i I definitely agree with you there they don't have to go out and get someone but uh i do want to uh we're we're going a little long so i'm sorry about that but uh i do want to end up the interview on a high note i know that um just earlier today, we're recording this on Thursday or Wednesday. It's not Thursday. Recording the interview on Wednesday and earlier today, uh, Marty Brenneman announced that this was his final season. What um, kind of growing up listening to the Reds on the radio and all that good stuff? What What's your favorite memory of just listening to him on the radio, or if it's if it's not one specific memory, just you know, what do you remember about listening to Marty?
1: Uh, really, for me. The The biggest memory is King Griffey Jr.'s 500th home run, and oh, yeah. it wasn't so much because of Marty. It was more because of Griffey, who was the guy for me growing up. But that that's oh, yeah. what I think of when I think of, like, that Marty call. Like, that's the one that really sticks out. Um, now, you know, what was it? 2010, when Jay Bruce hit the home run oh, to clinch the division. That call was great. And, you know, I, if if you know who I am, if you follow me on Twitter, if you've been around for a while, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of Marty Brenneman today, and it's not that—not him the person, just how he goes about calling the game. And and maybe that's just because the Reds have been so bad recently that yeah. it, it's there's there's not much to get excited about. But I I've never really been a big fan of how he talks about the players or you know his take on what does or does not make a player good or valuable. But let me tell you this. When you need a good call in baseball, when that moment is there, Marty Brenneman is still one of the best around. He's, I mean, he is great when the when what's going on in the field necess- when when that call is there, he's the best. And I, I really do hope that we get to hear some of those this year um, because one, that <laughs> the Reds are doing well, uh, but two, I just think that it'd be great for him to go out, you know, with a, a good season behind him with calls that we can all kind of look back on and be like there's there's the old Marty there's the Marty that we all remember growing up right
0: and and, and that's one of the you know I got people asking like ooh do you think the reds will go for it now and I'm like you know that's a fair question it'd be nice to hear him call some meaningful games this year and I I do think they've got a real shot to do that but um but, Doug, I, I do. I, I thank you for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. If you guys have not checked out his work, go to com immediately this instant. Also, check out Red Leg Nation. He's running that website. And, uh, Doug, thanks again, man. You're the foremost knowledgeable person when it comes to reds minor leagues. And uh, thanks for talking to me.
1: Not a problem. Glad to be on.
0: That'll wrap up this week on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening. Just a reminder, make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. That'll assure that you get the automatic download each and every day for the new episode that is coming out. Signing off for this week, I'm your host, Jeff Carr, for the Lockdown Reds podcast.